It's another episode of Where You Are, Season 3. from my closet yet again and I was doing a little vocal warm-ups you know I actually do vocal warm-ups on the way to work every morning in my car these are things I learned in college in theater back in the late 1900s you know like what to do to die today at a minute or two till two a thing distinctly hard to say but harder still to do and things like that so that when I get to school and I'm using my voice in the classroom I'm very well understood especially through the mask Anyway, it's been a nice couple of weeks since the last podcast tonight, or sorry, this week, I'll be sharing with you an interview that I just did with Lori and Sabrina Gogol-Smith, who are a beautiful couple who live in the area, and, and, and I know them, I know Lori from work. Anyway, we have a fascinating conversation about their lives so far and where they went to college and how they grew up and how they met and how they got married. And it's just really exciting. It's a good conversation. I love good conversations with, with interesting people. I have found this fantastic podcast that it releases these old episodes of a radio show that Lucille Ball did in the 60s. It's called Listen to Lucy or It's All About Lucy. I can't remember, but she had some sort of radio show. And there's an interview with Barbara Streisand. So this is when she's in Funny Girl on Broadway. There's an interview with Carol Channing backstage at Hello, Dolly. There's an interview with Red Skelton and his wife. It's just really interesting. I, I like listening to that. Sometimes there are some really outdated problematic views on problematic to me views on marriage and gender roles etc but whatever i really enjoy listening to it, listening to it and my friend kelly just told me about this fantastic podcast y'all i wish i had my phone with me so i could tell you it's something about dieting mm, i can't remember but on this episode they just did uh, they covered this workout book or this fitness diet book that Angela Lansbury put out in the late 80s and also talked about that. You guys, you've surely you've seen that video that she put out in the 80s, that move freely video, the workout quote video. It's great stuff. So I really strongly encourage you guys to listen to that podcast. I cannot remember it. Okay, I Googled it. It's called diet book deep dive or maybe it's called maintenance phase i think the the podcast is called okay i found it it's called maintenance phase and this episode is diet book deep dive angela lansbury's positive moves the the two hosts of this podcast are so clever and funny and interesting and they make a lot of really great points some of the things i have just never considered sadly one of the things they bring up is the way that 
people will talk about dieting and needing to lose weight and body image in front of people who are overweight or whatever and how insensitive that can be and how we really need to reconsider the way we discuss diet, the way we discuss goals in terms of, of our bodies and things like that. So I'm going to make a conscious effort not to talk about my problems with weight on the podcast anymore because I think it's perhaps... I don't know. I'm just going to think about it before I bring it up again. The other thing is I went to Encore Theater, which is here in Birmingham. Mark Raby is the the artistic director, the owner of uh, Encore. And I went to see this play with Fox called Skeleton Crew, which is a wonderful play that's actually on its way to Broadway. And Felicia Rashad will be starring in the play when it goes to Broadway. It's set in Detroit in the... Great Recession in 2008 in, in a workplace, in a small factory, a car, car plant, I think. And they're on the verge of basically being shut down. And so they're having all of the problems that come up when that's going to happen in terms of how they're going to treat their workers as they whittle down the workforce. What is there going to be compensation? Are there going to be you know, what about benefits? How are they going to handle that? And But what's even more interesting than the sort of workplace drama itself, which is, I think, fascinating because it raises all these issues that are so relevant right now, especially with this, what's happening with the, the great resignation, which I love. I love that phrase. I love the idea of people just saying we've had it, you know, and we're, we're going to do something else. But especially with all of this focus that we have on work right now and on how the pandemic has affected the workplace and how we feel about our work. I think there's a big shift happening. So this is a very timely play because it deals with all those issues of workers' rights and, uh, and, and, and who we are as workers and who we are as people and how those things collide, overlap and influence each other. And what's really wonderful in the play is the relationships between the four characters and the acting is just really strong and 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 i just really recommend everyone to go it's it's going to be playing uh ne- so this podcast will come out november the i think first the play has this coming weekend off but they'll be back uh in november the the 7th i think it's the 5th 6th and 7th so be sure to check them out and go see that if you have the if you have the chance, because it is a wonderful play. And I love that space that he's created over there, that Mark Raby has created over there. It's just a really nice space. I also went to the museum on Sunday. I'm such a culture vulture, as as some people like to say. I went to the museum, the Birmingham Museum of Art. They have some new exhibits, some Native American artifacts and art. And I didn't get to go to this, but they were also having a 30 minute guided tour of bad hairstyles in different paintings. I thought that was really cute. So I don't know. I'm oversharing. I'm sharing too much. I guess you just want to hear the interview. So let's go ahead and get to that. forward to this all day for real so Lori and Sabrina y'all are here with me you're so nice to do the podcast 
I'm not like, you know, what do, do y'all listen to any podcasts? A few. I do. What do you listen to, Sabrina? Um, I like Freakonomics. Have you ever read that book? Yeah, I've never read it, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. And I also like, there's a podcast called Sisters Who Kill, and it's a true crime podcast. I like that too. I see you like true crime too. Yeah. Yeah. I, occasionally I listen to like business podcasts, like stuff like that. Are you into like economics and business and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, that's like my field. I have a degree in business. Where did you get your degree? Uh, the University of Tennessee. Oh, that's so cool. Now, is that Lori? Is that where y'all met? No, we met in high school. Okay, let's back. Let's back up. So y'all are y'all are married, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so. When did you get married? Seven years. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Two thousand four years. We got married in Maryland because it wasn't legal yet. You went all the way to Maryland. Do you have friends and family up there, or did you just go? That was the closest state that we could legally get married in. Tell me about, oh, please, let's back up. Tell me, okay, we'll, we're just going to jump all over the place. What happened and you said, okay, we're going to go to Maryland and we're going to get married. Like, was it, did you, did you fly up? Did you drive up? Did you stay a long time? Was it a rush? What, what, what was it like? Well, we drove and we actually had to stay there three days for them to give us a marriage license. Like we had to fill out for it, stay three days, get married. So it, we kind of treated it like a honeymoon too. Yeah. What did you, where did you get married at the courthouse? Yeah. Yeah. We had a ceremony though in uh, Tennessee and like a cabin in the mountains for our family. It was really pretty. <laughs> oh, it was in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. And like near Sugarville, like Gallenberg. Yeah. It was really, we like rented the cabin and we had, we like did everything ourselves and our families like stayed there with us. What, three days were we at the cabin? Yeah. And then had the ceremony on the second day. So that was like, you know, the whole family thing. That was cute. And you did that before the wedding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you went up to May, I'm not May, where was it? Maryland. Did you meet a lot of, were there a lot of other people there getting married or? I remember not, there was a couple you married in front of us, but I remember this really nice older lady standing at the window in front of us and she heard us ask for a marriage license and she started talking to us and she said, Oh my goodness, I'm so glad to see you two getting married. My son's gay, but he lives in Florida and he can't get married yet. And so she told us congratulations and we talked to her for a while. Yeah. So you were like kind of trailblazers and pioneers, especially amongst the, you know, Southern, the Southern LGBTQ people, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we were young. Too. We were very young. You couldn't even drink. I was 21 and I was 20. You couldn't even drink yet. No. Nope. I mean, we knew each other for like, so we met in high school and we started like dating in 2010. So we had already been dating four years. I mean, we were in high school. Yeah, we we moved in together and went to Bevel for the two years. And then we chose Tennessee. Really, we chose Tennessee because that was the only college that had both of our majors and was like good for both of us. And then when we lived there almost two years and then we were just like, we kind of just was like, you want to get married? I mean, you know, we asked each other cute though, but. Yeah, we always knew we were going to get married. We just didn't know when. Yeah. So how old were you when you started dating? Okay, let's see. So 2010, I was 16. I was 17. How did your family, what kind of reactions did you get from your family? I always wonder about this. Do you mind talking about it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want me to? Mine's kind of a shorter story because like I, like I came out in like seventh grade, essentially. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was like, because it's. Like, it's just really me and my mom. I mean, we have family too, but um, it's always just kind of been me and my mom. And 
she's always been very supportive. And I came out to an interpretive dance. <laughs> no, okay. What? <laughs> an interpretive dance. I did like- an interpretive dance to uh, who I am inside from Mulan. Um <laughs> I, I like, I'm crazy. I'm very artistic, I guess. Um, but anyways, I put on a performance of sorts for my mother. And then and then we just had a long conversation. And then some years went by. We, I mean, I was a teenager, so we didn't really talk about it. But like, I mean, I dated as a teenager. But Sabrina really, with my first relationship, like brought home and then you never left. <laughs> so. So your family is very accepting of it. Yeah. What about you, Sabrina? My coming out stories are actually just kind of funny. Um, the first person I came out to was my grandmother. And uh, but she was she was cooking at the time. Like she was mixing up uh, some cornbread in a bowl um, and she was just on that. And I was standing there and then I kind of started crying a little bit because I was just really nervous. and Like anxiety was setting in. And um, I remember her being like I, she was like, just spit it out. I don't care what it is. And I was like, I'm gay. And my grandma said, Okay. And I was like, that means I like girls. And she was like, yeah, I know. Now, can you leave me alone? Let me finish making my cornbread. And I was like, okay, that's great. So a couple months later, I, I um, my stepmom uh, accidentally told my dad. So um, we went to the beach for spring break and we were in Panama City. And uh, my my friend also came with me, my best friend. And so we were kids, like we were just like at the beach having fun or whatever. But my stepmom got drunk and uh, she had been drinking like a lot of Coke and rum. And she goes, hey, I'm going to make you and Sharday some beads so y'all can see some titties. And my entire face just turned red. I was like, why? Why would you say that? And my dad was watching the news and he just kind of laughed and like we didn't talk about it. And then like when we were on our way home, we stopped at um, a gas station and I went inside with my dad and we were standing there and this really like cute girl like walked by and my dad goes, hey, she has a nice butt. And I was like, what is happening right now? I don't even know. So long story short, even though they're both really old, they're there. Everybody was okay. Yeah, you, your dad. Her dad's older, like, than her mom significantly. Yeah. My I dad guess. was in his 80s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's born in 1938. Shut up. Really? And is, a, and is, a, is he a preacher or a no. deacon? Deacon. No. no, he still exercises every morning. Oh, he's he's in better shape than us. And he has a garden. He, like, he like actively grows, like, crops and passes them out to the community. What kind of exercise is he doing? Must be now working well. <laughs> um, now he like goes for long walks, but before COVID, um, he went to Planet Fitness. I'd occasionally run into him some mornings. Wow. Yeah. You know, I wonder about. I love hearing different stories from 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 our community because, especially from different generations. So it seems like maybe you. I mean, did you encounter some? I don't want to pick and try to find something where there's nothing, but did you find? So, did you have some trouble in your school or your community or church or whatever? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but the family. Like, let's get to the juicy part. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. The, the good stuff is great also. But yeah. I wonder about the other two. What happened? Um, I mean, like just people in general around. Community. Yeah. Like here are just pretty homophobic and racist. So it's kind of like a double whammy. 
we had a lot of incidences where like really like strangers, like we would just be like in Walmart or something and people would make like comments like right in front of us, like blatantly like or threaten or threaten. Yeah. We've had some like weird, like backhanded threat. Like no one's ever, we never felt like fully in danger, I guess. I mean, maybe a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't like, like it was definitely more of a community thing. Like our family, you know, we've had like little ups and downs, but they've mostly been supportive, but just being in the South in general and being both gay and interracial is coming from like two totally different sides. That's why we moved to Knoxville, or we try to get out of Jasper as fast as possible. Now so, for people who are listening who may not know, Lori yes. is white and Sabrina oh, yeah. is black, right? So, they're an interracial yeah. Yeah. lesbian couple. So, it's not just yeah. a gay, they're also interracial. So, you yeah. did So you did go to Knoxville to sort of kind of find a more open atmosphere, maybe? Mm-hmm. Did you find that? I mean, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to here, it was much better, but our time in college were, like, some really formative years, so there was a lot going on. There was, like, Black Lives Matter protests. There was, like, the Confederate statue protests. I was really kind of shocked, honestly, by how much homophobia and racism were left. They tried to shut down the the um, the outreach center on campus. Like, I was an outreach ambassador, and I remember the Tennessee state government defunded it, and they took the money and spent it on adding In God We Trust to the license mm. plate. <laughs> yeah. And so they actually didn't have an outreach center for a while, and they fired the dean of diversity because he sent out an email that said, hey, the holidays are coming up. Just be mindful. Everyone doesn't celebrate Christmas. Um, if you're making like things for on campus, just, you know, happy holidays is a good way to go. It's like know. a nice, pleasant. And then yeah. it started like an uproar. Yeah. <laughs> then it turned into a whole thing. And so they they currently have an outreach center, but I think it's funded by like a private donor. Yeah. It changed a lot. I mean, not so was definitely better, but like originally because I moved to Alabama in middle school and like I grew up in Washington state when I was like a kid it felt like a culture shock because like I just I don't know I didn't like think the same and I thought like oh once we move out of here it will be better but then I learned real quick that it doesn't matter if you live in like a city or the country and stuff it's it's pretty prevalent everywhere so and um I would also like to add like I went to the Haslam School of Business and a lot of times like UT really advertises itself as like a diverse campus, which I mean, they do put a significant amount of money towards like, I guess, trying to appear diverse. But it was also a really difficult experience for me because it was like kind of harder for me to relate to my peers because my peers were all conservative, straight white men. So, in the business school. Yeah, yeah so sure. it was like, like I, I remember I had a Bernie pin on my backpack and like these two guys in the elevator were making fun of me. And like, like it's just like little stuff like that. Like I was just completely out of my element. You constantly I really relate to anybody. Yeah, like you constantly felt isolated. Like, cause I had like the same kind of situation, the whole pin thing. Like I had my little gay pride flat, like all different kinds of little love is love. And like, I was supporting it proudly, but then everybody, you'd get side eyes and you'd always felt isolated. Like the guy that shoved bobbles at people. Oh yeah. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't make it to where everybody's, they tried to say everybody's uh, like viewpoint was supported, but it wasn't. So yeah. did you, were you able, I'm curious, Sabrina, in that environment uh, that would be largely conservative, did you make any 
lasting friendships with people that you went to school with in that in the business department or whatever? I'll be honest, uh, college was a really rough time for me. And like I not really just because I'm not going to blame it all on like I did make friends um, like from we went on a competition one time. Uh, to like a diversity case study and we became friends. One of the ladies that worked in the diversity office kind of like mentored me. Um, and we actually, I graduated and she ended up going to grad school at the same time. So um, we left UT at the same time. It's kind of more difficult because like, not only did we not live on campus, but I was married and then we were like kind of taking care of my family at the time. So it was stressful. It's not like I really had time. Like I wasn't a traditional college right. student. We both work full time too. Yeah. And like we tried to do extracurriculars, but yeah, I was struggling. We were basically, we got thrown into adulthood like real fast. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of a struggle. What kinds of jobs were you working? <laughs> a lot. Well, we were like, worked at Target. Every, I say we because every time one of us got a job, we kind of got the other one the job at the same place because we had one car and it was just easy. We're notorious for wanting to spend a lot of time together. <laughs> so. Aww. We did Target. We did Publix together. Um, or it's at a call center. Call so. center. Y'all, when I was in college, I worked at a, uh, uh, it was in Tuscaloosa. It was my undergrad. And I worked at a, at Memorial Gardens or something. And mm-hmm. I called people trying to yeah. sell funeral plots. Oh, no. And it was buy one, get one free. Okay. I lasted what? one week and I was done. I couldn't do I it. I never called that anybody. So depressing. That sounds yeah. like if you have any anxieties over phone calls, that sounds like the absolute oh. worst job. And I hate phone. Now, if it if it was twenty first century, I could text. Maybe I could text them and ask. Yeah. Them. I don't know. What do you What do you say though? Like, yeah, hey, are, are you and that. someone you know going to die soon? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it was? <laughs> cold calls too. I didn't do it. They would leave me there yeah. and I would like, I never did. I was like, I have to quit because I can't actually call anybody. I can't do yeah. this. That no. So I understand. Uh, so do you feel that you got your, your money's worth or whatever from the, from your experience? Like, did it really prepare you for, for what you're doing now? Your, your experience in college in spite of all the troubles and the um, times? Up until literally today, I would have said no, but today I kind of got started on like my dream path. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> ironically, but it is actually today. Yeah, like ironically this morning. Mm-hmm. If you had asked yesterday, I probably would say no. Can you talk about what your dream path is or do you, would you rather not? Oh, no. Yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, so really, um, you know, like a lot of people have like a, a designated career that they are like passionate about. That's never really been me. I'm not really like passionate about going to work every day. Like I just, I mean, it is what it is. You have to do it. But I just, when I was a kid, I was like, I always want to be rich. And so I couldn't really, like I changed my major so many times. I ended up majoring in business. And then like, that's how I got started in my current path. But my goal was to get into tech. Um, And so I was able to find a training program to be, I'm an ERP functional consultant. And so there's a way to me for being being like a high paying tech position without actually having to learn the code. So it's like a combination of data analysis and like uh, business skills. What is it about your, I mean, have you, do you have like a mathematical kind of scientific mind? Yeah, I'm a very analytical person. I love data. What were you like as a little child? 
really I I asked the questions that nobody just like wanted to answer. Like when I was like six, I was like, Santa Claus can't really be real because there's no way he can drop by all of those houses in 24 hours. And then I was like, and is he just flying in the air? Like with no, like I was just like that kid. I was like, this can't be true. Like, and then um I don't know. I was I'd always ask questions about religion. Like I get in trouble because I'd ask, I'd be like, well, if uh, like the Garden of Eden happened, where the dinosaurs come from? And it's like a kind of running joke between me and my dad because he's really religious. And if we get in an argument, I'll just be like, what about the dinosaurs? And he like never has an answer. He never has an answer to you and you're almost 30. <laughs> <laughs> Did so you- be like, I don't care about dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> do you, Lori, do you have a different kind of, are you also that, do you have that kind of mentality of like analytical thinking? Um, well, I mean, I do ask a lot of questions. I'm, I'm more of like a curious person. I'm, I'm not a math, like I'm very arts and English, like total opposite in that regard. But I do ask a lot of questions, <laughs> or at least the rooms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm always curious. I, when I was, I'm the opposite child though. I was like 10 going like, what do you mean Santa Claus isn't real? Like I was trying to convince other people that, their parents who told them the truth was lying. I was like, no, I guess we are different in that regard a lot. Cause I'm more of like a optimistic bubbly, I guess. Are you I saying my- Sabrina is like a pessimistic, realistic? I don't think I'm pessimistic. I just think I'm realistic. It's not my fault that most things are depressing. Like, Y'all, why is it? I was just talking about this. Yeah. Day. Why is it? Because when I was like five or six, when I realized there wasn't a Santa Claus, but I didn't want to tell my mom because I didn't want yeah. to hurt her feelings because I knew it meant so much to her. Why do? We, why does this Santa Claus thing? Pers- why does this persist? It's a big deal. It's such a big deal, and everybody's just lying to children. But like, why? Yeah, so nonchalantly, like we don't really think about it because it's a cultural tradition. But like, I mean, you're really lying to your kids. I get the, I get the gist that it's like, oh, like magical and wonder, like Christmas, but. I mean, I mean, no, you could just tell him Santa Claus is a character. Yeah. That's you know, I, whoever I was talking to about this the other day, I came to the conclusion in that moment that we do it because you have to learn at a young age to, you have to learn disillusionment. So it's not yeah, so much yeah. the actual myth, the it's what? the finding out. I don't know. So like, are you trying to say, are you correlating <laughs> that like the age you find out that Santa Claus isn't real kind of shows how, um, Delusion. Yeah. <laughs> able, able to like uh, convince yourself that things are better but, than they. Well, kind of, you know, you you can kind of. It's almost like a. I don't know what the right word is. Maybe a touch tone or something like. You can kind of gauge a little bit about a person's personality by how they found out and dealt with the Santa Claus thing. That's Seriously, so true. Oh, okay. that's a good. That's like a. That's like a very therapist question. I think maybe I should do a whole a new podcast in a few years, and it's just talking to people about Santa Claus. Yes, yes. That, that is kind of funny, though. Yeah. But no, you're not pessimistic as far as, like, I mean, you do, like, see the best in things. Maybe it's just that, um, I need I don't data know. and facts to back yeah, it up. Yeah, you need more data. Lori, think, I feel like you're more like, I'm going to form an opinion about something, but your opinion isn't, like, It's factual. purely based on emotion. I'm very emotional. Oh, Lori, I'm, I'm that way. I'm very yeah. intuitive. Yes, Yeah. Very like, I, like I like to um 
like, cause I like to analyze emotion, <laughs> but not numbers, but more like a feeling kind of thing. And Sabrina is more like cut and dry. I'm intuitive though. You are. But I Cause just you're like empathetic. Her. She's very empathetic. Yeah. I think we often kind of hastily, you know, put ourselves in these little categories. You can be yes. math and analytical and also be empathic and all those That's things. That's true. Yeah. A little bit of uh, everything. What made you want? Horses. What made you want to leave Knoxville and come back? I mean, we just had some rough years. Well, honestly, I think, I mean, for a brief moment, we wanted to renovate a van and travel. God, that was so fun. We were going to, we legit, we bought a van and then the pandemic happened and we kind of got stuck here. So really we came back to like renovate it. Yeah. Regroup, renovate a van and see our family, because like our family's here, so we could be with them while we make a home out of a car. That just didn't happen. Yeah, we went, we're not meant for van life. We went on okay. one trip, like before the pandemic, we went on, well, no, like two trips. Yeah. Um, it just, we were like, oh, this doesn't work out. And then before we got the chance to kind of redirect, the pandemic happened. And then we got stuck here. So you're not going to return to that now that the pandemic might be winding down. Maybe no, not in the same. I mean, we love to travel, like, and maybe yeah, then, travel, just not live in the vehicle. Maybe like get an RV in retirement and something like that. <laughs> not, a long ways away. It. We're not gonna rough it. We we thought we were those types of also, lesbians, but we're not. <laughs> I'm a bad because I'm not good at like fixing things or taking yeah. things apart. Like it, it was harder than it looked on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lori, what what do you? So, okay, Sabrina's like starting a path toward more of the dream kind of job, right? What yeah. are, what about you, Lori, in terms of work or career? Well, career-wise, like, I'm, well, I'm actually in the middle of doing a certificate with Google for UX design, like front-end web design kind of stuff, because I like a lot of graphic design. And I went, I, ha- I went to UT for journalism, but I'm more just a communications person in general. So I want to keep pursuing that, but I also am the type where like, if I got the chance to like have my own photography studio or little cafe, like I would jump on that in a heartbeat. So kind of, I have very much like, um, I just want to do something artistic. Like I need a creative outlet and I'm not getting that right now. But so my dream career would be something that fed the creativity, but also made me a decent income. (laughs) So like Sabrina said, yeah. Sabrina said earlier, like there she wasn't one of those people had like the big dream job idea since since childhood or whatever. You you don't feel that way either. Not, I mean, I guess not like how like probably more than Sabrina, but not no. I just want to like try a whole bunch of different things. Like we both, I think, want the luxury of just like being able to discover ourselves without having to worry about like surviving. We both grew up poor, like poor, poor, <laughs> but like, so just trying to get out of poverty is like our main goal right now. But we also don't want to like, just focus on that. Well, at least for me, like I'm not as money oriented, I guess. We we just want to make something of ourselves while still being like in a good place and being happy. So it's a lot to balance. Have you seen any change, any improvement, like from when you left to go to Knoxville and then you came back home? Has there been any change, you think? No, this might be because we haven't, we didn't go outside a lot in this past (laughs) 
but no, I think they both. I was gonna say I think Jasper's a lot more accepting now than it was when we were like younger. Yeah, I I would agree. Just I mean, we haven't had any weird incidences yet. Homophobia. <laughs> or yeah, of homophobia or really like. And then, and then we were here, they were doing like when they had the Black Lives Matter protest in Jasper, that was interesting. Um, we didn't go because there was some questionable behavior for our safety, like just in general, you know, so, but I mean, I don't think that would have happened at all when we were in high school. So it's like just little things like they're trying. And I think that, and we don't know a lot of people that stayed here either, like from high school, unless it was like they stayed here because they had to, like a lot of people moved on. Yeah. yeah, from like that we went to school with and stuff. So I don't know if it's just a generational thing or time, but I think it has gotten a little better. Also, like the people we were kids then, but like, you know, those people are also our age now. So it kind of makes it a little bit better. I think like the world is becoming more accepting as a whole. Like we need to catch up more. Mm-hmm. Not quite there yet, but. Yeah, Alabama more. definitely is one of. They have some work to do, but it's, yeah. it's definitely better. Uh, when we had that diversity fair at work and you yeah. you all came, I was, I've was i been reflecting on that a lot. And I'm reading this book right now about, it's called Seeing White. Uh, and it's about white privilege and how you define whiteness and all that. But there's a little section there talking about diversity and how uh, if you only, quote, celebrate all the differences or whatever and kind of put them on display that you don't ever really deal with like the power structure that is the root of the problem and as good as I felt about that diversity fair and I loved y'all being there and when I the more I reflect on it I'm like but those things are there's positivity in that and sharing differences but as you know I'm on that diversity committee I want to find ways to get deeper into it and address like the real inequalities but I'm so glad your table was great by the way I loved your table well I like oh I had a lot of positive response to my table which we did you know the different um representation of like different relationships lgbt interracial interfaith and interabled and we included all those and we had really positive responses and i was like oh if if the school would have did something like this when i went there then i would have um i would have been like oh well i'm being recognized but then also it also felt like it was weird because i felt like everybody was acting like oh it's so I'm so glad they allowed this to happen or like yeah. there was permission that needed to be granted for us just to be there. The, the problems that like we have are too deep to fix with like surface level solutions. Yeah. Do you ever feel when you're just out in your regular lives, that similar feeling that you're kind of on display and that <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't you feel that? Yeah, it aids a lot to my social anxiety. Well, I mean, you say a lot because like every, you have a lot of different layers that are. um, True. Um, Like, because I'm like, uh, I guess, masculine presenting, um, people call me sir a lot. And I, (laughs) it's not um, like, I'll usually just correct the person. Like, it's not that big of a deal, but it kind of gets annoying because it only happens here. And I feel like. So far with our experience, it's only happened. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one ever really, even Knoxville, even though it's still the South, like she never really got called, you know, and then it just like little things, I guess, that could still be really improved. 
So like, I feel like I constantly have to be the gay ambassador and the black ambassador. And it's, it's like a lot. We're also women. Yeah. And there's women's issues. (laughs) And. And one of the things that, that I'm curious about is how that affects the way you identify as yourself. I mean, like who we are as people when so often we're having to speak about these things that we're marginalized for. Right. And then, but there's at the heart of us or whatever that means, there's a <laughs> lot more to us. Right. Like, and so yeah. how, how do people do, are people ever really getting past that thing that they, whatever it is, blackness, whiteness, queerness, whatever. I don't know. Do you ever feel, I mean, do you feel sometimes that people don't really get to know you? Yes. Um, a lot of t- times if um like I've been in a lot of places where I'm either like the only black person or the only gay person and it almost kind of feels like your entire life is on display like you're at a zoo and people like ask you questions that they wouldn't normally ask other people and they're like prying into your privacy and it's it's almost like they're entertained by you but to you like my life is just my life it's not like I also like, like side show. with me, I get the whole like people like not at the job I'm at now, but like before in the past, what I have got people who first meet me, they assume I'm straight. They assume I'm married to a man. And then apparently people will make comments assuming that like because I'm white, they can say racist things around me. And I won't like or, like I don't know what that's from. But like I've had to just. And then you constantly have to be like, well, I disagree with you. This is not my viewpoints. Like, actually, I'm not married to who you think I am. And so I'm constantly having to, like, justify or not justify, like, life and how it's not, like, a lifestyle or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, like, people will be so nice to me and then, like, oh, like, you're so kind or whatever. And then if I tell them this is my wife or they'll change. They'll be like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. How, like, I'm so, uh, you guys are so brave. You're so brave. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, okay. Bye. Like, in the South are so shady too. Oh yeah. Oh, like, oh yeah. Like I, I really don't like that. Like, for example, a, a lot of people will give me a compliment and they'll be like, oh, you're very articulate. And me and Lori were talking one day and I was like, Lori, Cause she's like really like meticulous about grammar. And I'm like, Hey, how many times has somebody told you you are articulate? And she's like, never. Nobody has ever complimented me or like said, Oh, you're so articulate. And I mean, we both came to conclusions because they assume that that's like the norm for white people is to be articulate. And, or, Oh, you went to college. That's, yeah. that's my favorite. Oh yeah. People get those <laughs> like, Oh, like, surprised. And, and you're like, you know, when Sabrina's like, Far more and more intelligent. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm smart, but you're like, she's I'm way smart. more intelligent than I. But people will just, I don't know, or like when we're at a restaurant, it's funny because who they give the check to, it's either they give the check to Sabrina because she presents a little more masculine, or they give it to me and they're like, it's like weird. I don't know. Like we never have just got an okay waitress who just like, unless they were gay too. <laughs> like it's just little things that you're constantly having to be like you know, this is who I am and this is, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. It's just constant. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. I really do. So I want to go back to, at the beginning, you said, I'm a little more, I'm, I'm, I want to dig more into Sabrina's interest in this economics and stuff like the, the Freakonomics podcast, I'm assuming is from the same person who wrote the book. Yes. 
Yeah, the two economists that wrote the books. What is what is the what is what is that about? I, I want to be educated a little bit on that. Basically, the main premise of the book is how things like factors that we don't necessarily realize play huge factors in the things that are like big societal structures. Like, for example, they did an experiment um, about names. And um, if you have a name that sounds traditionally ethnic, you are a certain percentage less likely to get a call back from an employer, even if it's the exact same resume. And so they basically broke down the economics of how your name can potentially have an impact on your entire life. Because, you know, if you, I mean, honestly, even, you know, you have to have gainful employment to like live like a, you know, like a life. Cause I mean, we just need money. That's like a fact of our society. So that brings us to a real life example of that. When we both worked, I'm, maybe I won't say about public. Okay. I will I'll throw public under the bus. We both, I hired at Publix at the same time. Now I was in customer service and she was like in the deli. So it was a different pay. But for example, Sabrina later found out she got paid a dollar less than everybody in her department, even people who had less experience than her. And she was the only uh, person of color. And I got- The other person of color also got paid less than Yeah, that's true. They got hired later. And then when I got hired, the man literally was like, I like your smile. And started me out at a dollar more than really I deserved. And he liked my smile, which was one weird <laughs> because it was like he was sketch, but also like I even felt weird about it. But he was like, yeah, you have a good customer service smile. Like, I think you're going to do well here. And and my friend who went to college with us, who kind of like introduced us to the job, she was like, no, I didn't. I didn't start out at that. Like everybody was weirdly at different pays just based off of like. And I mean, it probably wasn't the company. It was probably him, the one manager. But um, but we just found out later, like right before we stopped working there, that it was very like I said something though. Yeah, you did. Like I said something to both of them. Your manager too. Yeah, and I remember my manager was gay. She was a gay woman. Oh no, I was talking about about Randy. Yeah, I'm gonna throw him under the bus too. I think he worked in the Publix in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) But anyway. And I hope he hears this. Here comes the bus and there he is. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's all the way thrown under the bus. But I remember him being like, they tried to give me a 25 cent raise. And he was like, you know, and so I basically confronted him because he told me he was going to make it right. So like my six month review, they tried to give me a 25 cent raise. And I'm like, how is this making it right? I'm still making less. And it's not even like I just lost six months of wages. And so he goes to Joe, the general manager, and Joe decides, okay, I'll give you a 50 cents raise. And so Randy comes back to me and he's like, you know, you really need to go up to Joe's office and say thank you because he never gives anybody a 50 cent raise. And that was really big for him. She was still lower than everybody else. Like it didn't bring her even. Everybody else got raises too. Yeah, I was like, is your math not mathing? Like what's (laughs) happening? So you're supposed to go up there and grovel over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know, spoiler alert, I never apologized. Like, I mean, I never went and thanked him. I'm like, glad you did. So we we shortly uh stopped working there after that. So I think Sabrina could have her own podcast. But I'm we thought about this. Or There's so much more that I could tell you. You just my life is crazy. Honestly. No, we've literally talked about this because we because you know. 
my bedroom at my mother's house is empty. And I was like, let's turn this into a podcast room to, you know, have, you know, and we thought about this because I mean, we like talking about stuff. What would you talk about? What would your podcast be about? That's, that's the thing. Like what? There's so many things. Honestly, if I was more comfortable with sharing my personal business, our life would be uh, more than enough material. (laughs) But um, I mean, we kind of have different interests though. I'm, I'm interested in like political events and like business stuff and you I'm more like arts and culture but I mean I think that we I think that we could do different stuff I mean we yeah. also like talking about like psychology and mental health and just like how to be a human and <laughs> philosophy. philosophy we talk about a lot of things but yeah I can tell one of the great things about y'all as a couple is that I've only met Sabrina once before and now I feel like I know you a little bit bit better, but y'all have this great chemistry and this great rapport. And also I'm really enjoying talking to you. Like sometimes I have a guest on, I love all my guests, but sometimes it's a little stilted, you know, if I don't really know them, but this feels more like a natural kind of ebb and flow, you know, I like that. Y'all are interesting folks. We, and we like, this is what we always talk about, especially being here and like, I'm going to throw you a compliment because like we're always looking for people to have like intellectual conversations with about meaningful things, not just because Sabrina hates small talk and I will only small talk if it's about something I'm interested in. Like, but we, we need like, we need something like this. So even if we had to talk to ourselves in a podcast form, at least it would be, you know, getting that in, you know, talking about stuff. So you could call your podcast small talk. I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but like we 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 always are looking for that though. I feel like it's something, you know, we had it a little bit in college because like when you're in college, you, you learn or you meet a lot of different kinds of people. But I don't know, we just need something like that. That's true. We could turn a lot of our 2 a.m. conversations yeah. into like podcasts. We talk a lot. Sabrina, everybody thinks Sabrina never speaks and she's <laughs> she talks all the time. You just gotta Talk about something she's interested in. Listen, when I told Elena that I was going to be talking to, to both of you, she was like, well, I'll be interested to see if you can get Sabrina to say anything on the podcast. I was afraid I was going to talk the whole time because I, I get really passionate about like, you'll say one thing and I'm like, oh, and I'll just like jump on it. But I don't like small talk either. Now, I'm not, not going to say I never do small talk because I'm sure I do, but I'll just jump right in with someone on the deep stuff, you know? Um, but I love making new friends and I really do hope I'm not trying to impose myself on you, but I really would like to get to know you both better and to hang out with you. You know, I asked Elena uh, and some of the other people on the diversity committee, and I forgot to include you, Lori, there's the, we're trying to have some outings occasionally, you know, like around town, but even if we can't do that, I would love to meet, you know, and hang out and, you know, talk about everything because here's the thing I think as and I don't get too much into generational differences, but I do think it's important to find out the perspectives of people who are younger or older or whatever and have different experiences. People who are smart like you both, because I am really genuinely searching for what this is a big thing in my life right now. I am searching with all of my heart and soul to figure out what it means to be an American. And so I end up asking everybody what they think. What do y'all feel about America right now? I know it's a really loaded question and you don't have to say anything that makes you uncomfortable. I have a lot of 
opinions about Mary. Maybe not for this podcast right now. Yeah. And you don't have to say anything on here if you don't want to, but I would love to pursue that line of thought with you at some point. I'll say my viewpoint has definitely changed a lot over the past like five or six years. To be honest, it's kind of like um, I ride the struggle bus when it comes to how I feel about this, because on the one hand, you want to have hope. But then on the other hand, like just so many things like the history that we're taught is incorrect, um, like the current legislation that's being passed. And I feel like, oh, I was just going to say it's 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 a very strange cross-section being an American, being a woman, being black and being a lesbian. Like it is, there's just so many. the jackpot. I oh, know. Yeah. We talk about that all the it's time. It's like, even if I love my country, it's like, oh yeah, I love my country. Does my country love me though? Like, no, I don't really think so. Because so. once you get ahead in one area. Also, we should really, if you ever want to have a discussion about America though, I really, really want to talk to someone about how America is an oligarchy and not a democracy. And people like don't really like understand and grasp that concept. Everyone's yeah. blind. Basically. And lied to. And, <laughs> and we We've should been, be able to we, question yeah. things, right? We should be able to question anything. Oh, they want us to stay quiet and just follow the leader. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not like honestly one of the things that bothers me the most about this country is the dynamic between poor white people and minorities because i feel like poor white people feel like they're benefiting from white supremacy but really the only benefit that they have is the idea or notion that they're better than a minority like that's literally the only gain that they get because if you remove their whiteness we're all riding the same struggle. And their whole life usually is based around that. Like they could be the lowest of the low, but like they still feel like they have, well, I mean, they do still have white privilege, but they still feel like they are like better than you, which I mean, I guess I, I'm poor and white, but I don't feel that way. <laughs> but like, just because I mean, talking about like me and Sabrina, we have a lot of similar experiences just growing up in general, because I mean, we're just too like, Americans that grew up the same way, but because of like everybody's cultural differences, differences and definitions that they like thrusted upon us, it was kind of like people constantly were trying to be separated, but we're we're not like we're this very similar. I mean, honestly, the power structure is kind of set up to where that that dynamic relation, the relationship dynamic, has to stay there in order for the system to work. Yeah. Because if we know too much, yeah, if like if ever there was an alliance and we came together, then even though we're supposed to be like, like America, yeah, that's like a together. that's like a super majority. So people don't realize how like deep the divide and conquer really goes because yeah. we're all on the same plight. And I mean, even if you take millionaires, you're a lot closer to being homeless than you are to being a billionaire. Oh, yeah. like just in a mathematical sense. So I mean. When people talk about wealth and they think they're talking about the guy that has two Mercedes and it's like, no, we're talking about the person that owns a country. Yeah. The person who just made $36 billion yesterday, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they sneezed and it was there. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's like, I, I really have an issue with the way that like, there's no like coming together. And to be honest, everybody that's tried to bring the marginalized groups together 
have pretty much been assassinated. I mean, just in general. Or just totally, yeah. Or there's no, there's no chance, like, if not actual physically, but like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, um, like uh, Huey uh, Newton. Mm-hmm. No, hold on. I, I don't want to butcher his last name, but one of the founders of the Black Panther Party, like, that was one of the things he's really big on in California. He would go to, like, the gay communities. And, you know, this is back in the 60s when, like, the police were still raiding gay clubs. Yeah. And, you know, nobody really, really fucked with gay people. For yeah. <laughs> At the time, like, nobody's really fucking with gay people. Nobody's really fucking with black people either. Yeah. So he came together and he was like, hey, you know, if the uh, gay liberation movement and then the feminist and the black power movement, if we all can come together, like, you know, we can actually do something meaningful for our community. Make a difference, overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And like in school, they teach us that Black Panthers are like this radical terrorist party, but they created the school lunch program. And like, they don't get credit for shit like that. It's like everything that we've done to try to bring people together it's like overshadowed it's, it's a big brainwashing program to keep us all divided so we won't like come together again. it's so blatantly obvious but why does no one see that one of the reasons i obsess on this america thing is people really do it seems like and maybe every country is this way part of our identity is the fact that we are american whatever that means yeah the like patriot yes yeah, it's very imperialistic. It's very, we love to compare ourselves to other countries. We want to be the best. I don't feel that way. We're I don't not. Why we have to be the best. What does that even We're mean? We're also far from the best. We're far from it. And that doesn't matter. And, yeah. It matters in that we should be doing things better. But I mean, like, why do we have to be better than China? Why do we have to be better than whoever? Yeah. But that kind of feeds back into the white supremacy thing because it's a superiority complex that Europe and people of European descent are the superior human beings of the planet. Yeah. Like, so, you know what I mean? So America is like the beacon of like white, white. hope, I guess, kind of in a way. Everything. The city could- on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I do agree. Like, I guess it's just feeding because everybody wants to feel, or not everybody, superior. but like the whole superiority thing feeds it and it will always feed it. Like whoever's richer, whoever's, well, we're not going to, I know that I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to come back around here. I'm going to wrap it up because I really am. I don't want to keep y'all much longer because I know, I, I know we're all tired, but I love talking to you guys. I really, really do. So maybe we'll have you on again. We should get like Elena to come on too. We just have a big old. Oh, yes. Be like the view. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be um, so fun. So let me, to wrap up, let me ask you this. So when you think so we know sabrina's on a on a good path today she would say yes all of that school helped her yeah Lori, you're feeling okay today i guess where do you want to go do you want to have like in the future do you want to stay in alabama do you want to have kids do you want to do you want to build a house what do you want to do going forward or do you Um, think that far ahead we yeah we do (laughs) constantly thinking that far ahead the first the first question we definitely don't want to raise children in Alabama just because of experiences and yeah and I mean we want to have children eventually we're we're just now starting to seriously talk about seriously like have a conversation about both of our moms had us at 35 like ironically both yeah like both so they were like we have a lot overlapping but so both moms are like you know the same age and so they also went to the same school yeah they also went to 
We also went to the same, like, since I moved here, we went to the same school together, but we just didn't know each other until like our last two years of high school. Wow. Went to the, we didn't, and we had, we had friends that were sim. we just didn't and ever meet. high school isn't that, big, that big, but for some reason I have zero recollection of you yeah. outside of the first day that I noticed you. Exactly. It was just like, well, that happened, you know, oh. like, it's kind of cute, yeah. But do you want to comment about moving? Well, I'm a hopeless wanderer, so I love to travel. Um, I want to jet set the world, visit every continent. I'm even down for Antarctica. Ooh. Um, it's cold there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I preferably, I just want to live somewhere where, like, I can just be myself. And I find that when we go on vacation, usually, um, like, when we went to Seattle, I love the fact that no one noticed me because they were just minding their own business or like, you know what I mean? Like people were just, we stayed with my cousin and she, she's just like us too. And, and we just kept having experiences. And I thought that I saw Seattle in this light. Cause I grew up there as a child and I was like, Oh, like the childhood, but it actually was so like, we felt like we could breathe because nobody was gawking and nobody like, it was just very freeing and, and, her taking us places like it was a really good experience um in terms of the future yeah we do want kids um preferably I want to retire I love to cook so I want to like oh she's a great <laughs> work in the tech industry for like I don't know maybe the next 15 maybe 20 if I'm feeling it years save a whole bunch of money by I want to retire on like a bed and breakfast as a farm or a vineyard like I won't bake goats i want a goat name we're gonna compromise i'm a city person but by the time we get that age i'll probably want to i'm just such a city person but like if we have a bed and breakfast and i can make coffee every day and 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 you can sabrina's sitting on i feel like if she pursued food like but she doesn't want to turn her hobby into a, a business but she can really cook really good well i'm spoiled my little 70 year old self will be puttering over to your bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. 20 years. Well, yes. I will be 70 and 20, about 67. I'll be almost there. We definitely want kids. And we're just now starting to really talk about it because it's a lengthy process to have kids as two women, surprisingly, yeah. even though we have working parts. And, <laughs> you know, but it's expensive too. So, but we'll, we'll get there. And Yeah, I just want to be ready, yeah. like emotionally and Physically. That is kind of like a good thing that we do have is that we can fully prepare. There's no mistakes. Yes, so exactly okay. surprises, <laughs> like children, you know, surprises. But I'm excited. I think we're both feeling like we're on the cusp of becoming our adult selves, like in a positive way, because we've been through a lot. And I mean, you know, we've been through a lot together and separately, just as individuals, like becoming adults. Like I feel like. So like it's starting to my whole thing is to be 30 and thriving so I think you're both really fascinating wonderful people and I wish there were more people like you in the world I know there are but that's what we need more of in the world so I hope to get to know you even better I thank you for coming on the podcast I'm going to stop the recording and just say one thing okay music is Sunrise by Skirk, used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not represent those of my employer. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day wherever you are.